Thanks for checking out this message from River Valley Church in Boise, Idaho. We hope that it encourages you and inspires you. For more messages like this, make sure to check out our podcast. And for more content from River Valley, go to our website, rivervalleyboise.com. Enjoy this message. Well, today uh, we're going to, just here in a little bit, we're going to get into um, really a story that, that is going to be pretty powerful. And I hope that it just impacts your life. Um, Xander, yes, Xander's excited. Yes. I didn't even say anything profound. You are my biggest fan. <laughs> I love that. Hey, uh, I just want to throw out a statement for you to process through as we dig into this morning. The statement is this, that peace with God brings peace to the rest of life. Peace with God brings peace to the rest of life. And I want you to think about that, and that's kind of where we're going to pull uh, from and where we're going to kind of speak from this morning, right? That peace is in place, and the effect of it comes uh, in some incredible ways. When we have peace with God, that peace permeates into every area of life. And we're going to talk about what having peace with God looks like. There's an example in the Bible that I just want to share with you for a couple minutes. And it actually comes from our last series, which was the church from the book of Acts. And it's a story of Paul and uh, him going through some pretty crazy stuff on his way to meet with Caesar and to plead his case. He's on a ship, and the ship is in a storm, and it's getting ready to be wrecked, right? It's, it's just an impossible situation. And we see in Acts 27 uh, the, the account of this, and I'm just going to walk through some of this with you, in regards to peace. Obviously, when we talk about peace, sometimes we talk about the storm. We talk about the storm of life, right? We talk about the storm there. This was a very literal storm, but it was also interesting because you're going to hear that there's also some um, emotional, mental, spiritual uh, peace in the storm to be learned from. So this is what it says in verse 27. It says about midnight on the 14th night of the storm, as we were being driven across the Sea of Adria, the sailors sensed the land was near. They dropped the anchor. They found that it was 120 feet deep. A little bit later, it was 90 feet deep. And then it makes this statement in verse 29. At this, uh, at this rate, they were afraid that they would soon be driven against the rocks. They were afraid. The sailors feared what was going to happen. A little bit later in verse 30, it says, then the sailors, because of the fear, tried to abandon the ship. They tried to use natural means to get out of the storm. They tried to use their strength. So they threw the, the lifeboats overboard and they were getting ready to jump ship because the storm was just too much. They were afraid and they were trying to get out of the storm using their own strength. And what happens is we see that it wasn't getting any better. And then ultimately Paul comes and he says, hey, listen, listen, listen. Anybody who leaves the ship is going to die. So, so if you want to live, you need to stay on the ship. So they cut the, the ropes to the, the, the lifeboats and they all float away and everything and they're all on there. And then there's this really powerful picture that we see. Because while all this chaos was going on and while the sailors were in the middle of being afraid and trying to abandon and get out of there with everything that they could, we see this beautiful picture of in verse 33. And it says this, just as the day was dawning, Paul urged everyone to eat. I mean, they've been fighting for a long time. <laughs> Paul goes, hey, guys, 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 you, you should have some food. Now, 
Why was Paul, who was in the same storm as the sailors, able to sit and say, guys, guys, have some food. You haven't touched food for two weeks. Please eat something. Sit down. It's good for you. We see this resolve. We see Paul putting forth this faith that he was not affected by the storm around him. The sailors were very afraid. They were trying to get out of it. They were trying to do everything they could. But we see Paul, and what separated Paul from the sailors was the fact that he had peace. Paul had peace with God, and that peace with God then permeated the rest of his life where he was able to sit in the same storm as somebody else and have a completely different experience because of what was going on inside of him. And we see the story of Paul, and it just paints this beautiful picture of what we're talking about today, which is peace. And where when you have peace with God, it affects your peace that you have in every single other part of life. Now, are there moments of looking out the window and being like, yeah, okay, I'm a little scared. I'm a little nervous. What's going on? Absolutely. Was Paul sitting down there going, yeah, I really don't like storms. Yeah, probably. Paul probably was not enjoying himself, but even in the middle of it, he was able to say, nope, it's okay. Guys, guys, eat some food. Eat some food. Sometimes we need people in our lives, and sometimes we need to be the people that are saying, hey, hey eat some food. It's one of my favorite lines. When in doubt, just eat some food. <laughs> but having that resolve. So have that kind of in your, in your framework. As Daryl and I were talking, we were just preparing for this kind of idea and this thought around peace and what it means to really have that kind of peace in the middle of a storm. And Daryl shared with me a story, and it's a part of his testimony that speaks perfectly to what this passage is talking about. There's a storm, but what's happening in the middle of the storm. So I want Daryl to share his testimony and just his thoughts with you um, regarding this area. So just hang on. This is, this is an incredible, awesome story. Um, well, I want, I want to piggyback just a little bit off what you're saying there, because the thought occurs to me as you're talking, 14 days, that's a real storm. You know what I mean? Like, that's not, that's not a fake storm. That's not a minor. That's not a oh, no, I got a flat tire on the side of the road. Because let's be honest, a lot of times I think we feel like, oh, I've had a real storm today. I had a flat tire on the side of the road. These guys are in life and death. He's saying eat food because they haven't eaten food in 14 days probably. They've been just working and working and working. And and so I think that that there's a tendency sometimes within Christianity to, to, to downplay the reality and the severity of the storms that we go through. Because sometimes I, I know... We have real storms. We have cancers. We have uh, car accidents. We have sudden losses. We have COVID-19 for <laughs> 184 months. And, and we have isolation and, and real hurts and real pains. And, and, and it's interesting that, like, Paul was in that kind of a storm, though. It was a real, he, until the Lord gave him assurance, he had no assurance that he was going to make it through the storm. And ultimately, the boat wrecks. <laughs> the boat wrecks, guys. Not a happy ending, and I think I think a lot of times we think, well, everything's going to be happy, and everything's going to, it's all going to be okay, and it's all going to work out. And sometimes, yeah, it works out that somebody dies, and sometimes it works out that we have the tragedy that doesn't end with that happy ending. 
But God wants to bring something unbelievable in the middle of that, which is peace in the middle of the storm. Without knowing what the destination is going to be, to be able to stand back and have an assurance and a confidence in our God that he has peace for us because he's a good, loving father who has something good in mind for us, even in the middle of the tragedy. When I was, when I was a young man, um, for, starting around 14, I, ga- I gave my life to the Lord. I accepted him at a, uh, a Christian camp, and um, all of my sins were forgiven. I knew that. But I was a really disquieted person. I had the opposite of peace. I had turmoil in my heart all the time. And, and even though I knew God had forgiven me of my sins, there was something inside of me. Uh, at some point, the incorrect idea had formulated that I was not going to be able to be close to Jesus until I was perfect. That Jesus was in heaven, and when I get to heaven, I'm going to be with Jesus, and then I can commune with him. And he had died for my sins, and I knew that, and I had forgiveness for my sins, and I had a a destination for heaven. Um, But in my day-to-day life, I was plagued by the thought that I was only able to do imperfect things. I'm still trapped in this this body, and I still have uh, things that trip me up. I still have difficulties. I still have sin. I still have some things that that I know that are displeasing to God that, that in, my, in my life I, I play out in different ways. And so 14, 15, 16, 17, I, I really poured myself into trying to find a way to, um, to manufacture a good enough lifestyle to earn God's favor, to earn God's grace, to be able to find a way to walk in fellowship with him, because that's what I desperately think the soul of each and every person wants and needs, is fellowship with their creator. God made us to be in relationship with him, and if you feel like you can't have that relationship, when I felt like I couldn't have that relationship, uh, I became to be very depressed and very dark. I, I was the kid who never smoked, never drank, didn't do drugs, uh, never had a girlfriend, and never, never touched any of that stuff, but when I put my head on the pillow at the end of the day, I knew the thoughts of my heart. I knew that there was wickedness in there, and it was all the outward things were never good enough to keep me from feeling like, from feeling like, from feeling like I could be close to God. And it brought me to a place where there was a thought that the world might be better off without me, that it might be better if I had never been born And I had just maybe just gone straight to God somehow. I was constantly in inner turmoil, repeatedly praying for forgiveness, never really settling in my heart that I was accepted by him or being able to be in fellowship with him. Again, ultimately, when I die, I'll go to heaven. That's my thinking. But right now, today, I just want to be close to God, and I want to know him, and I want him to know me, and I want to have that, that fellowship that we all crave with God. And um, as I journeyed from 14 to about 20 years old, um, this desire really began to turn into a despair, or just a constant ongoing despair. Uh, each passing day felt like my only contribution was always failure and sin. And really, um, that little seed of thought had grown into a really fully blossomed plant, a, a tree that was always weighing and looming over me that I should just leave. I should just depart. And um, the weight of feeling like you're destined only for, feel- for failure is a crippling one. 
and I was in a near constant state of deep depression. So uh, all this came to a head while I was at Bible college. Again, I'm, I went to Bible college uh, so that I'd be good enough, really, more than anything else. I went there so I could prove myself to God. And, you know, I'm here. I'm going to live the life. I'm going to be the man so that you can, you know, bring me to fellowship. And then I'll teach all the other sinners how to, how to get out of the, you know, how to be perfect just like me. And uh, it was mid, around midterms, uh, and I was working on my Greek midterm because you can only please God if you know Greek. <laughs> I, I, uh, I very nearly failed that class, I'll tell you. <laughs> Greek is not my thing. But it was midterms, and I was working on my Greek midterm assignment, and uh, as I was typing and working and looking, I, I just decided it was time to go. I, I, I made a commitment in my heart that I was going to go to God now, that there was no point in waiting and going for uh, going further and I began to I, I, I minimized my my midterm assignment and I began to type a note uh, I was saying goodbye I was filling it with apologies to all the people I cared about for being such an utter failure and about halfway through the note I assume it's halfway I don't really know how much longer it would have been but about somewhere through the note um, one of my roommates walked in, and I didn't want him to see what was going on, so I kind of hid the fact. I was crying really hard, and I just kind of tried to, you know, hide that, and I minimized it, and there was my Greek midterm. And he's hanging out in the room, and he just wouldn't, he wouldn't leave. He's got things to, apparently 100,000 things to do right in the middle of the day. Um, but the, the assignment, interestingly, was uh, to parse a passage in Colossians chapter 1. And parsing means like, I'm sorry, I just realized I used a word that probably none of you have ever used in your day-to-day conversation. Uh, to, to parse just means to kind of break down and look at the linguistics of a, a passage and like, you know, line everything out, what it means in the Greek. It's, it's ridiculous. I don't even, we nev- you don't need to parse things today. But the, uh, <laughs> the passage was Colossians chapter 1, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read that to you now. Uh, this is what's in front of my screen, and I'm just reading it over and over again as my roommate is just, uh, I don't know, making his bed or something, I don't know. But For God in all of his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. And yet now... He has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. And you are holy and blameless, and you stand before him without a single fault. And uh, in that moment, a guy who feels like he's always destined for failure, God revealed to me through his word and through that moment, uh, the power of the Holy Spirit that uh, my my perception, my understanding of who I am was was way off base because I I saw failure and I heard the word failure and I, I knew failure really well. It was my constant companion. But he had another list of things, holy and blameless and a, without a single fault. And, and there was an important word right there that, that was in the middle of this. He says, yet now he has reconciled. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself. 
And I was an enemy, and I felt like I was an enemy. And I'll tell you, my perception of the Holy Spirit is he's this, this watchful eye who's always nearby, present with you wherever you go, and he's got a mallet. And he's waiting for you to mess up, Daryl. And when, he messes, when you mess up, you're going to get the mallet. And this is how, and, and, and so I got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps, and you got to pull it all together. And this is the perception I have, and this is what's weighing me down. And here I'm reading something different than that, where he says, yet now you who were an enemy with God through the wicked works of your evil thoughts, through the actions, yeah, it's true, the things I did that were wrong put me in odds with God, but he did something unbelievable right now not in eternity future, not in uh, 20, 30, 40 years when I die and go to heaven, but right now he reconciled me to himself through the death of Jesus Christ in his physical body. When Jesus died and when he rose again from the dead, I got a new identity, a new, a new thing was put on me, and I began to learn who I am instead of who I was, is now I'm holy and now I'm blameless and now I'm without a single fault. No one can bring an accusation against me before God. Right now, God has reconciled me through Jesus. Right now, I am holy by his sacrifice. I'm sitting here talking to you, and I don't look like it, like a holy man, but (laughs) I am. I'm a holy man. I'm not just holy, but the holiness of Jesus. The righteousness of Jesus Christ is upon me. And like no one can bring an accusation against Christ, no one can bring an accusation against Daryl Messina before the throne of the Almighty God. And right then in that moment when I first understood that, my, I got my first true taste of peace in my life. Peace of God that comes through our Prince of Peace, Jesus. And as the truth of God's word pierced my heart that day, the Holy Spirit kept repeating to me over and over again, I'm here now, Daryl. You're hurting, but I'm here now. You feel like a failure, but I'm here right now. You feel like you're never going to do right, but I'm here now. And he's still here now. 20 years later, well, 15 years later, I don't want to exaggerate. 15 years later, uh, I understand now that he's with me consistently and constantly. And I, I, I have still struggled off and on with depression and, and dark thoughts, but I have an anchor now. This, a lot of people say they have, you know, the life verse that kind of describes your life. This is my life verse because it literally saved my life. I was once enmity with God through wicked works, uh, wicked works in my mind, but he has reconciled me now through the body of his flesh through death to present me holy, blameless, and above any reproach before God the Father in heaven. And that's where I sit now, and that's... This whole thing I'm sharing right now is not just an exercise give you the kind of the warm feelies, you know. Uh, but I know that some of you here are like me. And some of you struggle with the darkness and struggle with despair and struggle with not feeling like you're good enough. If you've been in a church for any amount of time, there's, there's a bit of an attitude that can creep up in a lot of churches' experiences that a lot of people have had. If you haven't been perfect, if you're not trying a little harder to be a little better, then you're not, you're not arrived, and, you're not, and God isn't going to quite be with you and have fellowship with you. But I, I, wanted, I just wanted to share this story, and I felt like God was leading me to share this story today, to open up an opportunity for you to recognize the truth and to maybe grab onto a new identity, that God wants to do something now, today, in this room, for any of you who struggle with depression, for any of you who struggle with feeling like you can't grow, draw close to God, that he wants to set you free from that today, today, right now, 
and to do something powerful and new in your heart. If that's you, if that resonates with you, I, I want to tell you, when, when you're in a dark room, it takes just a small light to really chase away all the darkness. And so when Jesus, Jesus was around the people, what he said is, come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And this morning, I think God wants to bring rest to some of you who have been out of peace, have not known what peace is really. And so I wanted to ask you to just shine some light. I want to ask you to raise your hand. If you're somebody in this room who is dark and in that place and struggles with that, and you need prayer and you need people around your life, put a light on it right now. Let the light chase away that darkness. Yeah. And I think, too, this is, this is something that, um, that God does a deep work in. I think what Daryl is sharing is something that, that God does a deep work in us. And yet that same deep work, I think, is what he's talking about and what, what he is talking about in the life of every, in, in the life of some people who are really working through this. And I, I, I think that to, to piggyback off of what, what Daryl is saying, I want to take a moment here. And, and in this, I want to just close your eyes, lock yourself in with, with God right now, because this is, this is something that this is, um, this looks different in every person's life, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And being able to understand this in your life and understand not only, man, these things, these things are plaguing me, like he's saying, the depression or the thoughts or any of this kind of stuff, but also recognizing that there is an anchor. Mm-hmm recognizing what Paul did, that there is a firm foundation that you can grab a hold of that will bring peace in it. Yeah. And so with your, just with your eyes closed, because this is something I think that's just between you and God. Mm-hmm. If, that's, if that's you and you feel like you want to respond to that, I want you to invite you to raise your hand. No one's looking around. And we're, we're going to just pray in a moment, mm-hmm. right? And we're going to believe for what God is doing in your life. Thank you. Awesome. God, awesome. Just keep your hand up for a second. Nobody looking around. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. God's doing something in your life right now. God's reminding you that in the middle of the storm, you have an anchor. You have an anchor. Father God, I want to just pray. Lord, we we know that you are near. We know from your word that you're close. We know that right now you want to do a work of healing and of freeing and of breaking chains in the hearts and the lives of people who are struggling in this area. And Lord, we know that you are able. Lord, you have all of the power in heaven and earth, all the authority in heaven and earth, and you, you are our Prince of Peace. So Father God, I just want to pray right now as, as your word says that, that Whoever's anxious, if they bring those things to you and they come with a heart of thanksgiving, that you will give them a peace that's past understanding. I want to pray for your peace to wash over my brothers and sisters, the ones who are struggling, who are hurting right now, Lord, that you would meet them like you met me. Lord, I speak on the authority of my own experience, Lord. I know that you are able to do this, to break the chains of the bondage of depression and to break the chains of the bondage of darkness in people's thinking. And Lord, that you would bring them out of the darkness, as your word says, into your marvelous light this morning. Lord, I just want to pray for deliverance from the darkness. Lord, I pray for boldness, that you would help each person who's struggling to, um, to be vulnerable, to open up to somebody nearby, to get prayer, to get help. Uh, Lord, we, we can't do this journey alone. We need you to move in and through the people that are around us in our lives. So please 
Uh, give them a boldness to share with someone. Uh, Lord, so that, so that you can, Lord, just break those bonds. Just help these people to be free. Help us to be free in you. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you are so good to us. You don't leave us alone. You send a roommate into the room. You interrupt the plans that we make. And Lord, you give us an opportunity to trust in you and to turn to you. Lord, I pray for every heart in this room that is needing today deliverance, that they would trust in you, that they would not believe the lies, that they're going to be stuck in this forever, but Lord, rather that they would believe what your word says, that you will heal the brokenhearted, that you will bring rest to the weary and to the heavy laden. Lord, I thank you so much, and we rejoice in your goodness. I just pray for your freedom over my brothers and sisters in Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening to this message. Do you know someone who'd be blessed by it? Make sure to share it with them this week.